in the midst of the trauma, we can have hope. Hallelujah. Paul said, if we, have not, if we had hope in this world only, we'd be of all men most miserable. But this world is not our home. Hallelujah. One of these days, the rapture is going to take place. The dead in Christ is going to rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Then I like the last part, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. No more pain, no sorrow, no suffering, but we'll be with him forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. And we're so glad to have Brother Grant. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. We love him so very much. And he has done so much for our district. And God is blessing him and his church. And we're so happy for that. And we're glad that he's able to be with us and go to the men's retreat. And he said, I'm coming a day early. And I said, oh, we, we want you to preach. He said, well, I didn't call to preach. And I said, well, we want you to preach. Hallelujah. And we want you, Brother Grant. We love you, and we respect you, and you're a tremendous man of God. And we want you to come and preach us the word of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, it's just awesome being here. I really mean that. I'll tell you, I was looking forward so much to coming and uh, Brother Bridges had asked me some time ago if I'd come to the retreat, and I was excited about that. And then uh, he said, we want to leave early in the morning, uh, Thursday morning, that is. And I thought, well, I'll just come early. And then he asked me to preach, and I got excited about that. So I'm just excited to be here. I, I, now, I've said this before. I want to say it again. I, I would... Outside of our church in Madison, I'd rather preach here than any other place in the world. And I really mean that. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. While you're standing, I'd like for you to turn to 1 Corinthians 10. Now, this message tonight is a little bit different. It's kind of a Bible study type message. But... I really prayed about it and felt that this was really what God wanted me to to deliver. 1 Corinthians 10. This deals with Israel and their wandering in the wilderness. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. And they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur ye... As some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them for in samples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And God bless you. You may be seated. Praise God. Now I wanted to read uh, my scriptures tonight before you were seated. And then we have some comments we want to make. Yesterday was such a sad, sad day in the history of our nation, unprecedented and paralleled in the history of the world. Just an alarming thing. 
You had a prayer meeting last night here at your church. We had one in Madison. Our service was advertised on the local TV stations. And we had outside visitors to come to our church. Uh, one doctor and his wife attended our church and sat there and talked with me after service. Such a great move of the Lord. Yesterday, we, we have a Christian school, and I went in and talked with the students shortly after this happened, and we got one boy that was enrolled in our Christian school this year. First time, his mother just moved to Madison. She wanted to put him in a Christian school, so as we had a question-and-answer session for about 45 minutes with all the students, this boy asked quite a few questions, and I noticed <coughs> he seemed to be very disturbed about it. We started praying. The kids gathered around him and prayed him through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So his mother was in church last night with him, and we baptized him in Jesus' name. Praise God. Oh, I'm sorry. I called Brother Bridges yesterday and I said, Brother Bridges, I don't know that this is a good time for you or me to be away from the church. Of course, he'll be here Sunday, but I won't be in my uh, home church on Sunday. But uh, we're, we're really expecting some great things uh, this weekend. Of course, our service is on Thursday night. And... Uh, I drove up here, and I'll tell you, you know the reason why I like this church? Everybody's just so friendly and so common, really. When I say common, that's a compliment. Well, I will say this, though. The first person to greet me says, oh, Father Grant, looks like. <laughs> this is just a T-shirt, by the way. And, <clears throat> and then, then the next person to meet me. I said, uh, oh, you look like you're part of the mafia. <laughs> well, I'm neither a priest nor part of the mafia, okay? <laughs> oh, my. <clears throat> Can you believe that? <clears throat> oh, my. One man attended our church, and he said, told his wife, his wife received the Holy Ghost. He sat there for a long time. He told her, says, I don't know if you can trust a face like that or not. <laughs> he said, he looks like a gangster to me. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> but I'll tell you what, we're going, going up north, and we're just going to have a great time with the men. Phil is going. Phil Bridges is all busted up again. Every time I come, he's always busted up. <clears throat> it wasn't a horse this time, no, I know. Just horsing around. <clears throat> I can't say much, though. Man, talk about going through airports. I can't go through these security lines because I've got so much metal in my body. Got my ankle all busted up when I was 16. Had two screws put in it, and uh, then I had a. <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> then I had a heart attack, and I've got a metal stent right behind my heart. You have two of them. Huh? Anybody else have a stint? <laughs> I don't see anything funny about this. <laughs> I had colon cancer, and they put a stainless steel ring to connect my colon back to my large intestine. So I told the doctor, I said, you know, I came into this world with absolutely nothing, and after 60 years, I have almost all of it still. <laughs> <laughs> now you're supposed to laugh at that one. What's wrong? <laughs> but we're going up north to do 
Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Just whatever we want to do. And as a minister, you know, I know Brother Bridges, as uh, as well as me, uh, we just have a lot of work to do and there's a lot of stress involved. And I had a man in our church that always stopped by the church. He said, well, I didn't have anything to do, so I just thought I'd stop by here. So I come, so I'm coming one day, and I put a sign on my door that says, "If you have absolutely nothing to do, please don't do it here." <laughs> you know, the problem with doing nothing is you never know when you're finished. <laughs> oh my! <clears throat> well, well, well. So much for all that stuff, huh? Oh, praise God. Well, there's so many people that are lost. Huh. Let's just laugh, I guess. Just quite <laughs> <get> serious. <laughs> get it out of our system. speak tonight on the subject. I might as well get involved in this, okay? Overcoming negativity. All right. So we can laugh now, can't we? Don't you hate to be around negative people that wear the undertaker's smile? You know what that is, don't you? It's a smile that's turned upside down. Just they really believe that things are not going to turn out good. And you see, that was a problem with Israel in verse 10. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured. The word murmur normally means a low, indistinct, continuous sound, such as a heart murmur. But it also means a mumbled complaint. It is a complaint that is made under the breath or one's breath. The word murmur also means to mumble or to mutter. Basically, it just means constantly expressing dissatisfaction or disbelief in almost everything. Now, I'm going to Hopefully, step on everybody's toes tonight. Okay? Because there is nothing that can crucify faith in a church like negativity. And for the most part, people speak negatively. I hear this all the time. Well, knowing my luck. One man just told me, said, knowing my luck, probably the brakes are out and the drums are ruined and the rotors are bad. <laughs> knowing my luck. Poor little old you. Really. Now, you are a prime target for the devil. Now, I'm not, I don't claim to be a very smart person, but I do know this. If I were the devil and you were guilty of that, I'd jump right on you all the time. Seriously. Well, nothing ever turns out right anyway. Now, the part of East Texas that I came from, the piney woods of East Texas, the part of Texas that you don't normally think of when you think of Texas, there is just a lot of negative people full of superstitions. Even the apostolic 
people, a lot of them are superstitious. Now, I don't know how you'd mix the two, but they, they, have, they found the formula. <laughs> they know how to do it. And basically, in a lot of the churches there, they just don't really think that anything can happen to them because, I'm talking about good, simply because that they are the hated, despised people of the community. <laughs> I don't know what was funny there, but something was. Meanwhile, back on the ranch, okay? <laughs> but but they, they just they just seem to have it in their system. They just they just a lot of those folks settled that came from the hill country in Tennessee and various places. Got a lot of superstitions. My grandmother was a precious saint of God, but she had so many superstitions. She actually did believe that if you broke a mirror, you had seven years of bad luck. I mean, whether you paid your tithing or not. That's just the way it is. And some of these superstitions really do overrule the Bible. That's what they believe. And if you walk behind a ladder, then within a few days, you would experience some broken bones. Don't forget that, Phil. Maybe that's your problem. <laughs> Go behind too many ladders. <clears throat> and all of this affects the attitude. Then it, this business of murmuring, though, goes a little deeper than that. As I talked about, just being constantly expressing dissatisfaction, just about everything. Example, there was a young man in our school who, a couple of years ago, that everything he didn't like, he'd turn his back from the teacher and walk away and just murmur something. If you go ask him what he said, his answer was always, nothing. Didn't say anything. So I called him in one day and I said, now, I notice that you're walking away murmuring all the time. I've been in the classroom. I've noticed that you do this. And when the teacher asks you what's wrong, you'll say nothing. I said, now, I want to tell you something that's going to really shock your socks off. But I think you are a coward. You have a yellow streak down your back about a foot wide because you want everybody to know that you're unhappy, but you won't face up to say what you're unhappy about. And if you are not man enough to stand up and express dissatisfaction, I'm talking about in a good Christian way, then don't expect us to treat you like a man. He was... I think in the 11th grade at the time. I did this because I wanted to shock him. And I will say that it did shock him. I had a good long talk with him. He got out of that habit. And uh, recently this young man has declared an interest in going into the ministry. He's written a couple of tracts. He's witnessed to a lot of people. He's a prayer warrior. But you know, if you keep doing that, by the time he gets to be 30 years old, he's not going to be able to break himself from that habit. And the reason why that he won't break himself from that habit is because he will not be aware that he's that way. Now, negativity is a real sickness. It's like a reoccurring syndrome, a sickness that just comes back, and it just keeps reoccurring. Negativity causes deception faster than anything that I know of. I say negativity causes deception faster than anything that I know of. The Pharisees, nothing was ever right. 
And they were the most deceived religious group on the face of the earth in their day. So negativity and Phariseeism in many cases parallel. Why? Because negative people have judgmental spirits and attitudes. They constantly judge everything. Now, there's some people that just, like I said, they just can't be happy with, with anything or anybody. And basically, it's really not an issue with other people. It's an issue with themselves. They can't get along with themselves. You probably heard the story of, of the gentleman who was marooned out on an island. He'd been shipwrecked. Stayed there for years. Managed to get enough straw and sticks and everything together to build a house. Built himself a house. and He had a few commodities, not much. After several years had passed, he saw a ship coming his way. He got down on the shoreline, took everything that he possibly could to make a big flag, just an SOS signal calling everybody's attention. Finally, someone aboard saw that he was desperate. They stopped the ship a good ways out. A small boat was let down, came, and he told about his dilemma and said he'd really like to have a lift back to the nearest, nearest piece of land that was connected to other pieces of land. So he got on the boat and got out and he met the captain of the ship and the captain was looking through his eyeglasses, his binoculars and the captain as they began to sail away said, I'm just curious, I noticed that you had three buildings up there. He said, oh yes, three. He said, well, he said the, the, the building on the right what building was that? He said, it was my house. He said, the building on the left, what was that? He said, it was my church. He said, well, what about the building in the middle? He says, oh, that was a church I used to go to. <laughs> so this business of negativity is really... A personal problem. It's not being able to get along with yourself. Nobody there, but he had to change churches. <laughs> Which reminds me of another story. <laughs> it's said that in a small town in the southeast, a man in a barber shop cutting hair was talking to a man who just moved there because his company had transferred him there. And the man getting the haircut asked the barber, said, what kind of a town is this anyway? And he said, well, he said, maybe I could ask you a question. What kind of a town did you come from? He says, oh, the town I came from is everybody's friendly just a lovely place. The barber said, well, I'll tell you what, said, uh, you're going to like this town because everybody here is friendly. This is a lovely place. Finished his haircut and went out. A few hours later, man being transferred from the same city by the same company came in. He asked the same question. He said, what kind of a town is this? And the barber said, well, let me ask you, what kind of a town did you come from? He said, oh, i tell you what. He said, it's the worst place that you could possibly envision. He said, the people there are rude and can't get along with anybody. and They're unfriendly and they're not helpful. The barber says, well, you better not move here because everybody here is the same way. And so many things in life 
are the way they are simply because that's the way we perceive them. You see, I cannot help what other people do. I can, however, determine my response. And I don't think that life stacks up so fairly sometimes. It just seems like it's just not fair. But I can't help that either. But I can help my attitude toward life. So this business of negativity is just kind of a reoccurring syndrome. In other words, it just keeps coming back and keeps coming back and keeps coming back and keeps coming back. And after a while, the person is so ingrained in negativity that they have, they do not have the ability, maybe I should say, to see things as they really are. They really don't see things as they are. Now Jesus prophesied, and one thing that he prophesied, you remember I talked about deception. Negativity creates deception faster. Anything I know about, Jesus prophesied, and this is what he said, see that ye be not deceived. Over and over and over and over and over. People who are negative by nature fall into the trap of deception. And it's easy for them to swallow something hook, line, and sinker. They just like it like that. Now, there are two forms of negativity I want to talk about. They're both connected, or one will lead to the other. The first form of negativity, I want to turn to 2 Timothy 3, verse 2, and just read this scripture to you. 2 Timothy 3, let's read verse 1 and 2. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. won't read any further because I've already hit the point. The word unthankful. The first form of negativity that I want to talk about is the unthankful person. That is, you just really never satisfy with anything. And the common form of neg negativity, there are other forms of negativity, but I'm going to be talking about them tonight. But the, the most common form of negativity is that, that you just develop a habit of complaining about everything. Just nothing's ever right. Then when things are right, because you're so ingrained in this, you're not happy with it. Never satisfied. Come to church, it's either too cold or it's too hot. The speakers were too loud or too soft. The preacher too, ple preached too long or maybe not long enough. In our apostolic churches, that usually doesn't happen. When I say not long enough. <clears throat> Basically, they're just dissatisfied with everything, and it's just a big habit that they have. They get a new car. It's just, they look for things wrong. After a while, their marriage goes sour. A husband and wife can argue about everything. And you know, I found this out in doing marriage counseling. Most of the time, when husbands and wives have argued for some length of time. They don't even know what they're arguing about. They have no earthly idea. Now, when people come in for marriage counseling at Calvary Gospel Church, I have them to fill out an Amer a marriage awareness inventory I take. And the first question I ask them, and I want you, I said, I want you to take as many pages as you can or as you need to to fully describe your problem. I want you to answer some questions. And what is my basic problem? Number two, what part does my spouse play in this problem? Number two, three, what part do I play? Number four, how could your spouse improve on this? Number five, how could I improve on it? Now, honestly, and they're not to, not to confer with each other. If you went to my files and dumped them all out and took all the names off, you would never be able to match them. Because usually what the wife say, says the problem is, is 
entirely different from what the husband says the problem is. And the truth of the matter is they're just in a habit of arguing. Now, most of you, if you've worked any length of time on a job, there's X number of people on the job where you work that's just not happy about anything. It doesn't make any difference. If you get a day off, they want to work. If you don't get a day off, they want to go on vacation. When orders comes down, they're unhappy with it. They complain all the way from the parking lot to their desk or to the or to the station where they're working, all while they're working and all the way back. You take a break with them, things are not right. They're just not happy, never happy with anything. They never see the good in anybody or anything. Negative people, as I said, they end up with little or no faith. Now, we can kind of excuse people that are in the world that are that way, but there is no excuse for people who are Holy Ghost filled, who come in the house of God, pray with people to the altar, gather like you did last night and pray for victims like you prayed for. There is absolutely no excuse whatsoever to being that way. Absolutely none. But you know what? We have churches that have people like that. And I don't believe the Lord would have talked with me about this tonight if I were not addressing someone right now that has a problem with this. Now, loosen up. This is not going to be blood and guts all the way. <laughs> you act like you're scared to death. <laughs> Now, not only do they have little or no faith, but they end up destroying faith in other people. They may not mean to do this or do it intentionally, but they do anyway. Just their association with other people. Judas in the Bible was such a person. You remember Mary with the alabaster box? You remember what he said? found in Mark 14. He said, what a waste. He said, you know, it is just shame that Mary took this alabaster box and broke it and anointed Jesus. He said, what a waste. This money could have been given, this could have been sold and given to the poor. The Bible tells us in John 12, verse 5 and 6, not that Judas cared about the poor. That was not it at all. He was just in this habit of complaining about everything that he did not like. Now, <clears throat> we talk about Judas. Judas was one of those that were sent forth. He was one of the called and chosen ones, according to Matthew 10, verse 4. He was sent forth and was given power as the other eleven to cast out devils, to heal the sick, to tread upon scorpions or upon the devil. He was one that had that power. Judas was one of it, one of those. Now, Jesus said that they will come to me in the last day, or in that great day, and they will say, Have not we cast out devils in your name? Have not we healed the sick in your name? And he shall say, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. Judas was one of the chosen of the Lord, capable of casting out devils and healing the sick. And yet he betrayed the Lord. And he did it simply because that his negativity became so great and he just seemingly could not conquer that. Now what happens when negativity reaches a certain point, the person is not only guilty of murmuring and complaining, but they become guilty of gossiping. And they offend people easily. 
Now, Jesus said, you would be better to have a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the sea than to offend one of my little ones. Now, you think about this, Brother Bridges. You think of the Golden Gate Bridge. There have been a lot of people have jumped off and committed suicide. And I read an account in Reader's Digest where a man was up there and cars began to stop and people were begging him. But let's say that all of a sudden you were going across a big bridge and you stopped. And all the traffic was stopped and out there on the bridge was a man who had a huge, huge rock tied around his neck. And the judge from the local court was out there and the policeman. And you said, what are you going to do? We're going to cast him down into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck. And you said, what in the world did he do? And someone looked and said, well, I asked. And the judge says, he offended somebody. You mean that's all he did? Now please understand, I didn't write the Bible, okay? <clears throat> and I found this out a long time ago. I've been living for God long enough to know that whatever pleases Jesus just tickles me to death. But now that's what he said. Now, I, we've had a lot of new converts to come in our church this year, more than we've ever had. We're about, to, this year so far, first year, about 140, 145 already baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. More than we've ever had. We've just had, I think, great growth this year. This past uh, August we had one Sunday, Sunday in which we had 846 in Sunday school. But I've got one or two people that I've really had to talk about, about this millstone stuff, because they've gone to new ones and said, you can't come here to our church unless you do this and you do that and you do this and you do that. <clears throat> that the sum total of holiness to them is how long your skirt is and how long your sleeves are. That's it. So one lady walked into my office and she just looked, looked like she's modeling something. I said, she said, is this okay? And I said, brand new. I've only been to one, one service. And I said, what do you mean? Well, I was told by Sister So-and-So that I couldn't come here unless I dressed like this. Well, I'm certainly glad she came in and asked me because most people would have just said, huh. They would have been offended by this. Now, listen, I, I'm a... I'm a conservative person. But you see, the, the problem is that we've got one or two that they feel that it is their mission in life to line everybody out. You know that? You know, the Bible speaks of the milk of the word and it also speaks of the meat of the word. Let the flock supply the milk. The meat will come from the preacher. It is good, isn't it? I mean, this is good. This is good preaching, isn't it? Yeah. And this, I found out that most people who start rumors or who gossip, maybe I shouldn't say most of them. All of them are liars. And you know the reason why they're liars? Because their motive is not right. I say their motive is not right. Blessed are the peacemakers. The Lord is looking for peacemakers, not troublemakers. And there's a vast difference between the gospel, the good news, and the gossip the bad news. Not only that, I have a firm belief that people who gossip can not 
be saved. For Jesus said, If you forgive men not their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. And gossip is the fruit of an unforgiving, bitter spirit. So we move from the situation of being just, for the most part, just a habit of complaining to bitterness. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. I want to read something. Hebrews 12, verse 14, the Bible says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For we know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he saw it carefully with tears. Do you think, honestly think, that by nature God is a God that will not forgive? When someone is seeking and crying and praying, will God not forgive? The Bible says if we confess our sins, that he is just to forgive us of those sins. The one exception of the rule is he won't forgive you if you don't forgive other people. And the problem with Esau is that even though his brother, Jacob, had fallen upon his neck and he upon... Uh, Jacob's neck and they had made amends and he said I'm sorry the truth of the matter is inside of his heart he really never got it out he never got over it and he spent many many years weeping and crying over the fact that he had lost his birthright praying to God and trying to get it back but he died a bitter old man simply because he could not surrender it to God. I say he could not surrender it to God. My, my, my. Makes you want to not say one bad thing about anybody anymore. Seriously. You know, we get in church and we sing this. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. It's good enough for me. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. Yes, sing. Makes me love everybody. Now turn to someone near you. Point your finger in there, Adam. Say, I love you. It's good enough for me. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. It's good enough for me. There was a lady that moved to our church Married, actually married a young man in our church. And I noticed upon her arrival, she couldn't get along with anybody. I mean, really. I mean, nobody. She always sat on the front seat, and somebody got her seat one night, and she got mad, and she went out and sat in the grass of the church. She was mad. <clears throat> then she came in the following Sunday night, and some visitors had, visitors had taken her place, and... She went up to the visitor and said, you have my seat. She started parking in a certain spot, and somebody got her parking spot, and she got mad about it. Now, she's got problems, you know. So I thought I'd call her pastor, but when I called her pastor, I got the pastor's wife. And her pastor's wife began to tell me all about her ministry in their church, that she has a ministry of intercession. 
We have never had anyone in our church that could intercede like she intercedes. I said, well, the, the problem that I'm having with her is she can't get along with anyone. I said, yeah. Pastor's wife said, well, that is true. I said, well, let me ask you this question. How can you possibly lay on your face praying for someone, having such a burden for them, and then you can't get along with them? You know, something doesn't add up, does it? Well, needless to say, she and I have had some problems. <clears throat> Seriously. And I asked her, I said, how can you, doesn't it seem strange to you that some people can stay on their face praying for people and then all of a sudden they get up and they have a conflict with them? You'd think they'd take on such a burden for, for a person as they prayed for them. But let me tell you something. I have experienced in my ministry, not only this sister, but other people who were great prayer warriors, they could not get along with anybody. They missed, they missed it all together. And all of these people, without an exception, are people who are swallowed up in negativity. We're going to progress with this. The second, the second type of negativity, Jude 11 and 13, 11 through 13. Verse 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain and run, after, run greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gangsaying of Korah. In the Old Testament, it was K-O-R-A-H. New Testament, C-O-R-E, Corey. Now, he goes on to say, These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Korah, the gangsayer. Now the gangsayer is one who contradicts, one who denies, one who leads an insurrection or rising up against an established authority. These people who flew these planes into the Twin Towers are guilty of this. You wonder, how can people be so corrupt? Well, there's no doubt about it. The biggest problem is that they are, they're deceived. They think, that they're, they think they're right. They think that what they're doing is right. I heard today, that, in fact, just before I got here, they were saying the FBI have determined that there were 24 people involved in the hijacking of these four planes, an average of six on each plane. And all of them were trained right here in the United States of America to fly commercial flights, and they know the name of every person that was involved. Now, you'd think people living here in the United States would love the freedom, wouldn't you? But in all probability, they're connected to some radical group in some faraway country in, in which there are no freedoms at all. Now, we know that, that as far as Korah is concerned, the biggest problem with this man is that he led a conspiracy. Uh, he talked, to, according to Numbers 14, uh, he talked against Moses he rebelled against the Lord, the Bible tells us. He blamed Moses and Aaron that they had brought the people of Israel out into the wilderness to kill them. Now usually this person is a bitter person that is so deceived that he cannot 
connect with reality. He just cannot. You may say, why are you talking to us about this? Because this is the way this thing progresses. They will not forgive. They will not get on with their life. They become embittered about everything. If you could count the number of people that has left this church over the years, that right now they have multitudes of things against the pastor, against you folks, and yet at the same time they're not really even for sure what it is. It's, it's out there. That's part of our human nature. They will do anything to destroy the credibility of any child of God. Deceived? Yes. They have nothing complimentary to say about anybody. I told one man in my office that had, had left the church for a long period of time, way before I came, and his daddy left the church. He came in, and, and all of a sudden he started just pouring out all this stuff about people that he didn't even know. But I noticed in talking to him that he's every person that you mentioned, he kind of, you know, gaze off and turn his eyes up. And I said, let, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to find at least one person on this planet Earth that you admire, and you need to go into your family and brag that person up to the hilt so that your children can turn off the path that you're on and then go make some friend and keep that friend and cherish that friend and say nothing but good about that friend. And I instructed this man, we want you to continue to come to church here, but this is what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to take one thing about every person here that you really admire, and I want you to talk about it. And so this man attempted to do that. It was just this past summer, after this man had spent much time in prayer and really seeking God and drawing close to God, that God called him home at a very young age. He died in a hunting accident. Now, let me tell you what I think happened to, to Korah, okay? If you turn to Numbers 16, 28, verse 35. Numbers 16, verse 28. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord has sent me to do these works, for I have done, not done them as my own mind. If these men die a common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, and if the earth open up her mouth and swallow them up, with all that appertain to them, and they go down, to the, down quick to the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. Now, as far as I can see in the scripture, you know, the Bible says, according to Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man once to die after death of judgment. Now, there are some exceptions to that rule. We have two men in the Bible, Enoch of the Old Testament. Enoch walked with God and was not because God took him. And we know that Elijah did not see a common death because a whirlwind, a fire, a chariot of fire came and picked him up and swept him up into the glory. Now you notice about Korah, the Bible says that he will not die like all other men. And if you will notice what happens, the Bible says he will go quick into the pit. And the word pit here is taken from the Hebrew word sheol that hell is taken from. Now, this is just my own personal opinion. What the Bible is saying is because this man led an insurrection, got a group of people together and started murmuring and complaining, led an insurrection against his spiritual leader that God said, Brother Bridges, or Moses said, and, and God confirmed, he's not going to die like everybody else. What we're going to do, we're going to open the earth 
And he will never see death. He's going to be dumped right into hell as a live human being. Now that leads me to believe one thing. That this business of negativity is serious business because nothing stops the work of God like negativity. It caused those people to wander in the wilderness for 40 years before they went into the promised land. And let me tell you something, Nina. Christian life. Let me tell you something. God has a promised land open and ready for you here in Nina. And if somehow you could build up your faith in God and say, I'll not speak one negative word about anybody, but I'll join my hands together with my pastor and with my church and with my brothers and with my sisters, and we will bind together and have great faith in God because God has many people in this city. He does not want these people to go down into hell without knowing Him. He does not want them to perish as the people perished in the Twin Towers. This business of soul winning and reaching the lost is serious business. And for us to do anything or say anything that hampers that cause. Is in violation of Almighty God's basic purpose for coming as a human being to the planet Earth. Every time you come in the house of God, you should be thankful. We may not have a new church like a lot of people, but we got a good church here. And we're going to be thankful for this place. Till God gives us that new building. Praise God. I've got precious brothers and sisters here. I'm thankful for all of them. Got a great pastor, the best pastor. Anybody could ever have. Come in here rejoicing over the fact that God has filled you with the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't get in the mully grubs by, oh, well, you know, if it's going to happen to anybody, it's going to happen to us, you know. Kick that stuff and get rid of that habit. Praise God. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. It's good enough for me. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. It will take us all to heaven. It will take, everybody stand with me. It will take us all to heaven. It's good enough for me. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. Makes me love Brother Bridges. Makes me love Brother Bridges. It makes me love Brother Bridges. It's good enough for me. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. Now turn to somebody next to you and tell them, I love you. Let's sing again. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. It's good enough for me. Old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. Now what I'm going to do Sunday night, I'm going to pick up right where I left off, and I'm going to preach on the subject, how big is your God? So we're going into something real positive Sunday night. Praise God. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one toward another. Hallelujah. And the way that we show we love Jesus is by loving each other. Hallelujah. And so, God, help me to love. Teach me to love. Hallelujah. Let me have the spirit of love. 
so that I can be your disciple. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord. Jesus, I love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, help me to love. Let me have your spirit, Lord. Let me love like you love, Jesus. Let me touch people like you touch people. Let me, Lord Jesus, have the attitude that you want me to have. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O Lord. Hallelujah. That should be our prayer every day. Lord, just let me be like you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wasn't that good? Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Well, ladies, you need to pray for all these men that we'll just have a fantastic time. And if there's some changes you want in your men, talk to God. Be specific and say, God, change them while they're up there in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.